or Salem Media Group. To the Bullington Capital Report, hosted by Bill Bullington. For the next hour, you'll receive information on current market conditions and trends that could affect your financial future. If you have a question, you can participate in today's program by calling 216-901-0945. That's 216-901-0WHK. You can also reach Bill by going to his website, BullingtonCapital.com. And now, here's Bill Bullington. Well, welcome back. Interesting week, wasn't it? Yeah, always is interesting. There's always stuff going on. And much of it, you really don't need to pay much attention to. (laughs) That is the hardest part, I think, about investing. What do you pay attention to? What is significant and what is not significant? What is normal? I'll tell you, my experience has been that the normal is not what you hear and it's not what is advertised. And when you experience the normal, people think that it's unusual and like a 20% correction, which we'd just gone through. You measure from the top to the bottom, there's a 20% correction. Uh, now, and the market actually went up 5% in one day right after that 20% number was hit. So see, I'm not the only one that knows that number. <laughs> There are a lot of uh, big funds out there, computer programs, that also know that number. And they have an idea uh, that they're going to front run. And I'm pretty sure a lot of them kicked in that day and sent the market up 5%. Now, see, the the trouble with this whole thing is trying to figure out which computer is going to fire off at which times is nearly impossible because there are several thousand of them big enough to move the market all by themselves. Think about that. Several thousand with the ability to move the market by themselves. So you have to try to figure out which ones are going to fire when. And I I wouldn't even do it. I mean, I think it's a waste of time. There are a lot of other things that you can do that it'll help you a lot more. And we'll start to talk about some of those things uh, a little bit later in today's show. And if you have questions, feel free to call us. 216-901-0945. 216-901-0945. And I just wanted to make a couple of quick uh, announcements. We do have a seminar coming up. It's actually going to be, I'm going to combine it to the first informal meeting of the Lookout for the Bull Investment Club. Uh, And we're also going to talk about the quickest path to recovery in your portfolio without increasing your risk. Let me say that again. The quickest path to recovery without increasing your risk. Most stock portfolios have dropped a lot over the last couple months. We're going to take a look at several options that, that could help your portfolios recover quicker without increasing the amount of risk you're taking. Yeah, so there's some things that you can do. And when people uh, ask about the models that we run, my primary model is not the model that has the highest returns. It's the model that recovers more quickly or has in the past anyway. That's the one that uh, is most important to most of my clients. So we're going to talk about that. I'm going to show you why, uh, how that works, how including some uh, qualities like like quality, you know, higher quality companies in your portfolios, in the funds that you're investing in. 
We're going to take a look at how to investigate a fund. You know, my, my clients have the act, have access to a research portal that we provide free of charge. And there's also some pretty good stuff on one of our custodians website. That's also free of charge, but it's really hard to find. If I show you where to find it, then you can go in there and, and I'm going to show you how to use that stuff to be able to assess very quickly. I mean, if it takes you, if it takes a long time to assess the risk in his stock, you probably just haven't been doing it that long or Somebody hasn't showed you the kinds of things that, that I'm going to show you. So to sign up for that seminar, by the way, you just have to go to my website, SpullingtonCapital.com. Just go to the seminar page. It's free. There's no cost to attend. Uh, the maximum amount of people that the room we have will hold comfortably is 100. It'll actually hold more than that, but I don't like to jam everybody in there. So again, just go to Bullington Capital Management. I'm sorry, BullingtonCapital.com. Click on the seminar tab. It'll bring you right there. You can sign up. You just click. And that'll be great. Love to see you there. In the meantime, if you do have any questions, feel free to call here, 216-901-0945. And we we did also change something on our website on the contact us page. I don't know what's going on lately, but email servers, we have three that we use, three different ones. And I've been having problems with all three of them lately. So that the, if it were just one, I would say, okay, that's just an isolated incident. Something must be happening behind the scenes um, because we have three. We've been having some problems with uh, all three. Not all the time. It's intermittent. So what we did was we took away the contact form and basically give out my phone number in the office. It's 330-664-0700. It's right on the, when, when you click on the contact tab on my website, It'll take you to our address and phone number. Also gives you my email address at work, which is bill at bullingtoncapital.com. So you can, if if you want to talk about your situation, feel free to give us a call. There's no cost. There's no obligation. And uh, I'll try to get back to you as quickly as I can. As you can imagine, I've been spending lots of time on the phone over the past month or so with the market coming down like it has. And the, uh, um, you know, good reason. That's a pretty big drop. Scary. I'm here to tell you, don't be scared. Um, this is, there's, if the banks were crashing, if the banks, if bad loans were abounding, all right, you could be scared. <laughs> but the, uh, that's not happening. And as long as that's not happening, I think we're in pretty good shape. Is the economy going to slow down? I, that's what everybody's saying. If you, if you, were to read financial publications. That's been they've been saying that now for about five or six months. So about five or six months they've been talking about a slowing economy. Now the economy hasn't slowed down yet, okay, but they've been talking about it. And so what happens is if that news is um, true, oftentimes the stock market will go down in advance. Okay, so we haven't seen signs of a recession yet, at least not any real strong signs. And the market dropped from peak to trough 20%. That's a you know definition of a bear market. So why is that happening? Well, it's typically because it, that's the way it happens almost every time. Stock market is almost always in advance. And if you're reacting to the market prices, you're too late. If you're reacting to the market prices, you're too late. 
There's a better way of doing this, by the way. There's a much better way. It doesn't require an awful lot of thought on anybody's part. All the thought goes into setting up the, the account, your, your investments to begin with. We're going to talk about that at the seminar big time because that, that's a big part of what this is about. How do you recover the quickest? You know stocks are going to fluctuate. You can't avoid the fluctuation. The only way you can avoid the fluctuation is to stay out of stocks completely. So if you can't avoid the fluctuation and you can't predict the the fluctuation, I see lots of people thinking that you can do that. You can't. Give it a shot. We had a a client, actually more than one. No, I'll have to go ask. But they pulled out within 1% of the bottom. I'm like, wow, that's typically my sign in the past, by the way, the cue that market's probably going to rebound <laughs> when people pull out, you know, and it's right near the, it was the short-term bottom. Well, I don't know if that's going to be the bottom. I mean, there's so much thing, there's so many things going on right now, but I can tell you that there are no financial reasons for this to happen. The fundamentals are incredibly strong. The uh, fact that the, Government shut down all this time. They, you know, it, it, what's really funny is how many people jumped on the bandwagon. Oh, it's going to slow down. The economy's going to slow down. Well, well, duh. You know, it, the government spends about thirty <laughs> percent of all the money that's been spent, and you lay off all the people working for the government. Guess what? The um, and that may be by why the uh, market was down. They may have already anticipated that because there are people closer to the situation. You know, many of those several thousand funds that have over a billion dollars in them. Let me say that again real slow. Several thousand funds with over a billion dollars in them. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. And if they're, uh, you know, those guys can afford to hire people to go and sit outside of Congress and lobby and listen and they get better information than we do. So if they've already moved, and uh, then they're moving back, and they're not going to tell you when they're going to move, the the only alternative that you really have that's reasonable is to hold your positions and then rebalance every year or every other year. Every year or every other year. And it's amazing when I uh, talk to people about that, how they... Many of them don't want to do that. Now, what I'm saying is rebalance the the amount that you have between stocks and bonds. If you have other portfolios that are more active, you still have to stick to that. That's got to be part of your plan. One of my um, model portfolios rebalances every four weeks. It's the most aggressive, by the way. I've got others that rebalance once every six months. And then I have others that rebalance once every other year. And everything uh, has to be tailored to what somebody's actually trying to achieve, what their tolerance for fluctuation is. And, uh, in other words, you have to have a plan. And I don't believe that there's a single plan. I don't even think there's a, there may be a group of plans that you, you're probably going to fall into one of the categories. Uh, but uh, we've got an awful lot of stuff that we have that, that's actually very specific to an individual. And with one of the tech, uh, the custodians that we use, you can do that. It makes it actually pretty easy to do that. You can't do that with 
many of them. And I can't do it at Schwab. You can't do it at Meritrade. You can't do it at E-Trade. You can't do it at Fidelity. You can't do it at Vanguard. Yeah, I've looked and I've been trying. You can almost do it in interactive brokers now, not quite. But there is one custodian where you can actually customize portfolios and it's not hard to manage. They charge you a quarter of a percent for that. That's what they charge. A quarter of a percent, that's not really that bad. To be able to customize like that is, is a really big deal. And uh, for a quarter of a percent, no problem. I'll uh, do that. That's actually where most of my money is, by the way. And I've got a, uh, uh, well, some of it anyway, a big, big chunk of it. I think probably about half the, uh, now that I think about it. Anyway, if you have a phone call, question, or comment, you know, feel free to give us a call. I was just looking at uh, different things coming up across my desk, talking to people. Uh, there, there are so many things to have talked about, so many questions that have been asked over the past couple of weeks. It's like pretty tough. <laughs> I have a some situations that I was looking into. I don't know if you've got this type of situation. The uh, client of mine, before he even became a client, sold the business. Uh, income went way up because you have to repeat, you have to uh, report that. And this happens fairly frequently, by the way. Uh, somebody sells a piece of real estate. And I've got quite a few business owners uh, out there. When they When they cash out, they get this big lump of cash and then it bumps up their Medicare premium, sometimes a lot. And to get that reduced again, you have to go back to Medicare and say, hey, you know, I need to get this reduced. And uh, they, don't do, they don't just do it automatically. So that's an interesting problem they have. You sell something, you have to end up paying a whole lot more in taxes on it. And then they jack up <laughs> your Medicare. That, that just doesn't seem right to me. Anyway, I got to take a real quick phone call. You can reach me today, 216 901 0945. And I got Paul. Paul, you have a question or comment? Hey, hi, uh, Bill. I just wanted to ask you your opinion on uh, all the stuff with Apple. And I'm trying to read through the clutter of what's going on with China and sales slowing down. And But I mean, Apple, didn't they go from the wealthiest com- company in the world to? Uh, they're down to what four or five now after this drop in their stock. Yeah, but uh, that's just you know a technology stock, really. Um, and I know people don't like to hear that, but see, Apple has to create a whole lot of product to sell as much as they do, and they have right. to they have to reinvent that product all the time. I mean, all the time. How long is a cycle for a cell phone? You know what I'm saying? 18 months, if they had a year. A year, I think, is a long time now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that's about it. You know how much it costs to, re, to redesign those things? I mean, they spend a couple billion dollars on that. Right. And if they get that wrong, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Uh, if, if they don't actually create the products that, that people want to see, like IBM was the first one to do PCs, and IBM... Just thought they thought PCs were a novelty. That's actually that that that's you can Google that, and, right? And uh, wow, <laughs> talk about going in the wrong direction. And that's the hard thing about technology; they have to get that right over and over and over again. Apple sold two hundred sixty-five billion dollars worth of product in the last twelve months. Two hundred 
$265 billion. There are only 250 working days in the year. That's a billion dollars, more than a billion dollars a day. <laughs> the, wow. Uh, yeah, that blows my mind that they could actually do that. So, And what people are hearing is they think there's going to be a slowdown, that they're not going to be able to grow like they did in the past 12 months. And I, I can remember a time when Apple was selling for less than the amount that they had in their checking account. And by the way, that wasn't wow. that, that wasn't that long ago. It was right around 2000 and uh business week ran a big article. The whole cover of the magazine said iPod can't save Apple. And I'm like, <clears throat> and I was thinking, Oh really? Cause I just bought one of those things. It was 500 bucks. Right. <laughs> $500 for a music player in uh, the profit margins on that thing were obscene. And, and by the way, iPod, not only it, it did save Apple and uh, they bought a whole bunch of stuff and started going in the smartphone business and kind of segued from one to another and kind of dominated the, the smartphone business for a very long time. In fact, that's, that's a big portion of their business now. But see, my point is you have to stay uh, in front and you've always got to be reinventing yourself. That is really hard. It's really hard. And the perception is going to rule the day. Right now, the perception is, you know, the CEO came out and said, "Mm, looks like we're facing some headwinds, you know, might slow down a little bit. And he's trying to be judicious, trying to warn everybody a little bit. And then the... uh, uh, course the stock just gets kiboshed because nobody likes to hear that despite the fact that revenues were up 20 percent hey paul i gotta take a quick commercial break did you want to hang on sure all right thanks you're listening to bill bullington and paul right here on 1420 the answer oh my soul worship his And we're back. The caller hung up. <laughs> That's okay. Yeah. Well, we were talking about uh, Apple a little bit. And, uh, you know, Apple is interesting. Uh, it's a technology stock. A lot of people have a tendency to forget that. It, I was just looking through the commercial break a couple of years ago. It had, the revenues had actually slowed down on it. On uh, 2015, they peaked uh, right around the, looks like, June. And then the revenues bottomed out. The next year, they were down 14% year over year. And the stock price went down about 30%. Okay, So past 12 months, if I go back to that screen, see, revenues are up 20% over the last 12 months. So they actually picked back up again. And then they're talking about them coming back, you know, slowing down again. That That's the nature of the beast with a company like Apple because the products are kind of expensive. Uh, it's not a, uh, they call it consumer discretionary. That means you don't need to buy it. Like you need to buy food. Most people need to buy clothing. Hopefully they're buying clothing. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But the, uh, you don't need to buy a new computer. You don't need to buy the latest and greatest phone. So it's at your discretion. And those companies are much, much, much harder to predict for 
And if you don't understand that, then uh, I don't, you might want to get to the classes. Uh, it, it's a concept that you really need to get it if you're going to invest with uh, with wisdom. And even when you're wise, by the way, it doesn't mean it's not going to prevent you from buying stocks that, that don't go down. That's going to happen. You just won't get as upset by it because you'll expect that that's going to happen from time to time. And that's really what this whole thing is about. It's about expectations. What kind of expectations should you really have? When you're investing, what kind of expectations should you have? That's why we're doing the, the seminars. That's why I've been doing the educational stuff all this time because expectations uh, are typically, they don't really teach you what to expect. And a lot of the stuff that's out there, quite frankly, is not very good. A lot of the stuff that's out there, you know, they talk about fluctuation and I'm talking about some really big firms that are extremely influential in the worldwide economy and especially in financial services, especially in the money management industry. They put stuff out there that is being misinterpreted by the general public and they're being led to believe that it's not as risky as it is. And I don't know why they're doing that. Um, I like to, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and just say, you know, they just don't know any better. They don't understand that the public doesn't really understand what standard deviation is and they call it fluctuation. What's the standard fluctuation? They've actually started to use that term now instead of deviation because most people don't understand the deviation, but they understand fluctuation. So the, the average fluctuation instead of a standard deviation, those, those two terms now are, are, are being uh, used interchangeably. And it's kind of a big deal because if you don't understand, it's really easy to misinterpret that. And we'll be talking about that at the workshop as well. Uh, the number one thing you have to fight against is, is comparing yourself against whatever's just gone up the most, by the way. And typically, uh, that's a really hard thing to do because everybody wants to be in the category that's done the best. And you know how you do that? You put some of your money in each of the categories. Yeah. <laughs> buy large cap, buy small cap, buy mid cap, buy some international, buy some emerging market. We've got some strategies like the one we use at the clinic where the, uh, for the Cleveland Clinic that, that takes a look at everything that's performing well now and just holds the top two categories. And over time, that's done very well. It puts you in the top 25% or it has anyway, not allowed to promise that in the future. Yeah, because we don't know. Uh, some things that worked five years ago don't work anymore. And I know why. A lot of things that worked five years ago don't work anymore. And the number one reason is the amount of money that's flown into, uh, uh, that has flowed into funds that are being run by computers. They have different types of algorithms. There is a solution to that problem, by the way. Yeah, if you're using a lot of stuff that's not working as well as it used to, um, by the way, that's very tricky to know. Incredibly hard to know whether or not you should make a change. And I don't think you should make dramatic changes. And one of the, the good news is it's actually getting a little bit easier. It's a little bit easier than it was oh, ten year, five years ago. It's not as frustrating now. You can do a lot of things. You can find tools that are going to suit you because so many tools have been created. There are several thousand funds now that did not exist five years ago. Think about that for a second. Several thousand that didn't exist 
five or six years ago. And a lot of them you don't want to, you really don't want to pay attention to because they're out there mostly for marketing purposes, not really because it's going to help you make money, but they know, you know, like the pot stocks, for example, there are funds out there that are investing in these pots. That is way too early. It's still way too early for that. Yeah. I think I got, uh, is that Paul calling back? All right. Hey, Paul. Hey, Bill. Sorry about that. <laughs> That's all right. I just figured uh, something happened. I didn't know what. Yeah, I listened to a part of you offline there for uh, on the radio there. But another question I had for you, too, and sure. when Donald Trump came in, obviously a big push was for infrastructure. And I remember when um, you know steel and aluminum and all the commodities shot up in the mid, like, odds, like mid-200, 2000. Right. And, you know, there was, I'd put some money into uh, a steel ETFs, um, you know, based on that, you know, that, that we're going to be building up our Navy again, building more of our steel infrastructure. And, and I was just wondering, you know, and I, it only pays, it pays out a yearly dividend of like five and a half percent, but it's only once a year it pays out. And so, you know, the stock had been up and it paid the dividend and it's pulled back. And I was just kind of wondering what your whole, thing was in the whole infrastructure play and commodities well i think the uh the best way to play infrastructure plays is to make sure that they're included in some of the funds that you own because mm -hmm. doing it yourself you have to get the economy right you have to predict it accurately and do you know how many accurate economists there are Right. You know, they're not they're not nearly as many accurate economists as there are accu accurate fortune tellers. Right. So so there's there's very few. <laughs> and it's not because they're not smart people, it's because that's how difficult that is. You're you're asking them to do something that's almost impossible. It's like asking somebody to to predict how many points the Browns are going to score next year. You know. <clears throat> right. That, that's basically what you're doing. And a lot of people don't understand that, but that that's the way it is. So the, the quicker you, that you accept that, then what you can do is make sure if you really like steel, uh, it's in a ton of exchange traded funds that are also holding the commodities you like, uh, oil companies that are participating in farming, you know, for crops and all that stuff, but we'll also have, uh, Hershey's in there. Who incidentally is affected by commodities, but Hershey's can um, change their prices a whole lot faster than a major corn producer can. By the way, right? The uh, so everything is affected by what goes on in those marketplaces, and if the funds that you're holding have exposure to it, most of them have a pretty decent exposure to it. So to go out there and overweight something like that, I don't know. I'm doing it right now with the semiconductor industry. Okay, And the semiconductor industry used to be super cyclical, just like steel, just like housing, uh, just like car manufacturers. They used to be the same. But now semiconductors are, are so widespread. They're in your watches. They're in your, your phones. They're in your computers. They're in your televisions. They're in your refrigerators. The demand for uh, well, um, semiconductors is much more stable than it was 10 or 15 years ago. So I don't mind, you know, picking out, uh, there are five ETFs. And if you, if you email me, I'll, I'll send you a copy of this. The, uh, there are five ETFs. And I think looking at their valuations, that's the other thing you can actually do. You can 
try to figure out what they're worth and then compare it to what they're selling for. See, there are two parts to a story. The first is the story itself. Why do you like whatever it is you like? Why do you like steel? Why do you like commodity? What, what is the reasoning behind that? Now, the second part is how do you figure out what you should be paying for it? And uh, oftentimes, you know, a lot of steel companies, those, those companies where their revenues are the most volatile, they are the hardest to figure out. The more, right. the, the more they fluctuate, the more you've got to have a crystal ball that works. If you ever come into my office, I'll show you my crystal ball. It's never worked. I have a real crystal ball. <laughs> the, uh, but I like to try to stick to things where the demand is going to be relatively constant. You know, it's not going to fluctuate. Like if, if the economy goes into recession, housing, people stay in the house that they're in. They, they keep driving the car that they have for a long time. They might even stop buying some clothing <laughs> or at least put right, it off. So then it becomes consumer staples and not consumer discretionary. Right. And that's what I'm saying <laughs> right. with, a, with a semiconductor. I think they're crossing over. I think they're literally crossing over because they're in so many things. They're, they're in, it's amazing. And then you have this thing called 5G. I've been talking about forever. I, I'm, I'm talking about it so much I'm getting sick of it myself. But, <laughs> but 5G changes everything. You're going to have to replace your cell phone. You're going to have to replace your, your tablet computer, your, your laptops. Your desktops aren't, aren't going to need to be hooked up by a wire anymore. Your, your television is going to be a smart TV. Your cars, the self-driving cars have these. And I know everybody's afraid of the self-driving cars. I got news for you. They've been using self-driving technology since the 1970s in a jet that goes 700 miles an hour. <laughs> right. That is it. And by the way, humans can't fly that jet at 700 miles an hour because it can't react fast enough. So <clears throat> computer assisted driving, that it, that's not a, if it's coming, it's coming. And everybody that, that hates that is, uh, you know, Unfortunately, that's, you know, that's just the way it's going to be. But the, uh, and that's a, there's a big demand. I mean, the semiconductor, it's, it's mind boggling. I forgot where I was. Uh, oh, there's a, um, there's a Tesla dealership. Uh, I'm not sure where the closest one. I went to one down in Columbus just recently and I sat in one of the, the newer cars and I got to tell you, they have a 17 inch touch screen display and I'm looking at the, the display and I'm going, you know, Apple wrote that software. <laughs> I would right. recognize, I would recognize that anywhere. <laughs> so right. uh, that that's the, uh, I don't know. I, I get kind of excited about it because you know, the valuations are not that high on those stocks right now. In fact, they got beat up pretty good more than the market did when it went down. Cause it's one industry and uh, people still have that, that thought that, Oh, this is a really cyclical business. Well, me, it's not as cyclical as it used to be. They're even in light bulbs, your led light bulbs. They use the same equipment that semiconductors use, and a lot of it is nearly identical. In fact, one major semiconductor manufacturer stopped just to focus on LED lighting. And uh, even that stuff is, is it's everywhere. So I think the uh, if you're looking at that, like the consumer uh, staples, that's probably a, a really good place to shop right now. Um, if you're looking to, to put money away into individual stocks, and I think I got all off... Uh, topic here, but uh, I'll, I'll let you take back over. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about? No, no. Thanks, thanks for your time today. I appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you calling, and I appreciate you listening. So have a good weekend. Yep, have a great weekend. Thanks. You too. Bye. And uh, yeah, you know it's just crazy. I'll tell you another one. Uh, yeah. So I ran a scan. 
And I run these scans uh, a lot just because I'm in the habit of it. And right now, a lot of the stocks that are coming up on the scans have very, very low valuations. Uh, mainly because it's, you know, when the S&P is down 20%, a lot of these stocks will have dropped a lot more than 20%. Okay. And uh, now's the time. You know, if, if you're a, a value-oriented investor, now's your time. You should be looking right there right now. Uh, and if you have value-oriented funds, that's fine. That's absolutely fine. In fact, I, I prefer to use funds over individual stocks. But if I really like an individual stock, I like to buy it. No, I get hesitant to mention them on the air because a lot of people will buy them and never look at them again. That is not a good strategy. <laughs> so I, I probably won't be making a lot of individual recommendations over the radio because people have a tendency to buy stuff and just hang on to it forever. And, you know, that's like buying a lottery ticket. And, uh, you know, I hope it wins. But over time, every company's got a story. That story is going to change over time. Some, some of them, the stories will actually improve and they will do much better than you thought they would. Some of them, the story is going to deteriorate. And my point is you got to keep up with it. Okay. A lot like work. So I won't mention the individual stocks. I'll just tell you that at the next seminar, I'm going to show you how you can identify a stock that's, that's moving up right now. That may be a good buy, like a really good buy. And, uh, I think if you're, Looking at that sort of thing, you're, you know, the odds are, are leaning in your favor and you don't need to have odds drastically in your favor when you're talking about stocks. But I think going forward, this is the, uh, I think we're in a good time. I think we're in a good place when we look at how the economy is doing. Uh, auto sales are still strong. Housing still, sales are still strong. Banks aren't showing signs of cracking yet. Um, by the way, that's just a matter of time. It's that's a cyclical thing that that happens from time to time, and I know people don't want to hear that. I, I get it, uh, but the uh, the bottom line is that that's actually the way it is, and it's not a bad thing. They'll recover again. Uh, this twenty percent correction is not a it's not the end of the world. It's uh, the end of a good run. That's it. <laughs> hey, I hear the music. I I got to take a real quick commercial break. You're listening to Bill Bullington right here on fourteen twenty. The answer. Stay tuned. And we're back. Hey, just thought I would tell you about the upcoming seminar again. This is actually, I don't think I brought the, uh, mentioned the date before. It's Thursday, February 21st. It's going to be 630. Tri-C's Corporate College. You can go to BullingtonCapital.com to sign up online. It's free, no cost to attend. However, seating is limited. This is going to be fun. I promise you. I'm going to show you some stuff you haven't seen from me before. We're going to actually combine the t fundamental and technical analysis. This is basically what I've been doing for years. Now, you can do, there are other things you can do. And I'm going to lay it all out on the line. The, exactly what the challenges are, uh, what you're going to have to put up with. And you can see whether or not you really want to do stuff like that. And we're going to talk about the, uh, a little bit about the models I use for my clients. Because they were designed to recover quicker, not necessarily to make the most money. Think about that for a second. If you want the ones that make the most money, that is a 
a boatload of effort, and I'm going to show you how that's done. If you want to do that, that's fine. I'll show you how to do it. Most people, when they see how much work it is, say, mm, maybe I'll do that with just a small amount of money. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just do that with a small amount of money because it can make a big difference. I can't tell you how much that account has meant to me over the years. It, it's been wonderful. But I've also had long time periods where I was like, wow, you know, I really wish I weren't doing this. <laughs> and that's just part of investing and part of, you know, part of your daily life. And uh, then you have to deal with when you do make a big bunch of money, they jack up your Medicare premium <laughs> if you're on Medicare. And then when you're, you know, if you don't make the same kind of money that you're, you have to go back and file paperwork with them. By the way, you know what? Um, I have to go back to the social security department. You know what those dogs did when I was 16, I got a social security card with my name, Bill Bullington, not William Bullington. And for some reason last year, well, it was a little over a year ago. They, the social security department decided that the Bill Bullington was the real name and my real name was invalid. So I have to go back there with a birth certificate (laughs) and prove that this is me just to get access to my Social Security account again. Now I had access to it a couple of years ago, and I have no idea why they why they did that. And then they were like, "Oh yeah, did you ever register as Bill Bullington?" And I was like, "Oh, I was sixteen. Yep, I was sixteen when I did that." So anyway, I understand. Like you've got a lot of decisions that are really important to make. Um, it's one of the reasons that I do these seminars because I know you have a lot to think about. Uh, you got financial planning issues. Am I going to have enough money? How do I know how much to take out? And here's basically what I'm going to tell you. Uh, BlackRock says 4.5% and adjust it for inflation each year. I'm going to tell you, okay, start off at uh, 4.5%. Try not to go above 6 Okay, Because if the market really goes down a lot, well, let's take an example. Let's say you've got a half a million bucks and 4% of that. $20,000. Five times four is 20. Uh, so you'd be 22.5 at 4.5% on $500,000. Now that's all you should reasonably take out. By the way, if you put that money in a CD at 2%, that's only $10,000. So that's it. There's a big difference. But if you were taking that, that kind of money out and then the market were to go down a lot, if you had all your money in stocks, that would be disastrous. Because the market goes down 50% and you will not know. You won't know. It'll be just like the handful of clients I had that, that went to cash recently. And, you know, it, it, it's a miserable feeling because the market's already up fairly significantly without them. So the idea is not to try to time it up. You don't want to do that. And I, I used to have a model that would actually raise cash, but it wasn't based on trying to predict where the model was going, where the market was going. It was measuring how far down the market went. And then when it went up a certain percentage, it would get back in. That is not nearly as effective as it used to be. Not nearly, because again, computers have taken over. Uh, but bottom line is, we're gonna. I'm gonna simplify all this stuff at the workshop. I'm gonna simplify the whole thing. It's really hard to talk about this on the radio because you can't see anything, and you're probably driving. You know, well, hopefully you uh, are driving. <laughs> I don't know anybody with, uh, that listens to this at home. Maybe they do. I, I did have a, a client. It was a really good client of mine, and I was uh, I was getting rid of an iPad 
And uh, I called him up and said, hey, you know what? I, I've got this iPad, and uh, you can have it if you want. So he said, sure. So I came over, set up for him, gave it to him. Uh, he actually he had a, a health scare. He's in the hospital. And in the hospital, he hooks up the, the iPad to the Wi-Fi. I don't know how he did that on his own. Guy was 92. And uh, anyway, he hooks it up, and he finds my show on the Internet, <laughs> WHK, uh, where it was broadcasting, and he's listening to my show. Now, he's in Florida. He's in Florida. You know, I'm in Ohio. So, And he was 92. That's what uh, cracks me up. You know, a lot of people don't really like technology. They get very frustrated by it. And I'm sure he probably had help, but uh, he even called into the show. He called into the show. He was listening over the uh, iPad off his Wi-Fi in the uh, hospital in Florida. He decided to call into the show. I thought that was a riot. But uh, anyway, to try to keep things uh, relatively simple is what I'd like to try and do. I know there's a lot of stuff. I know I talk a lot. I talk kind of fast and uh, get excited about it. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, it's not as complicated as you think it is. In fact, I started talking about you know, the stories. There's two parts of a stock. One is what I refer to as the story. What is the story behind Apple? Well, the story behind Apple is they make a lot of devices that people like a lot. I own a ton of them. Yeah, they're great products. The numbers are another are the second part of the story. Okay. You got the story. That's what they do. And a lot of people love that. But if the numbers don't make sense, and right now I would tell you that Apple's probably, from a fundamental standpoint, the numbers, it looks good. If their sales were to drop again like they did in 2015 through 2016, it still looks good. If the share price goes down significantly more, the, the dividend yield, by the way, is uh, 1.92, almost 2% now, so it's almost as, it's higher than a money market is. But do you go up and load up on Apple? No, that's not smart. But would it? Could you own one to two percent of your portfolio and put it in Apple stock? Yeah, you could do that. No problem. And so those are the types of questions we're going to be we're going to be answering at the seminar that's coming up here. Uh, where when is it? Oh, February twenty first. That's a Thursday. Again, there's no cost to attend. Uh, seating's limited, but. Uh, we're going to try to answer as many questions as you have. Seminar is actually not going to be that long. Is quite frankly, it you know, it really doesn't take that long to do uh, what you need to do. I'll bring out. I don't know if you remember, but uh, a few years ago, I brought a website out that was called Look Out for the Bull, and I had the sixty-second test. That's how you evaluate a company in sixty seconds or less. Now you have to have some practice. You got to spend some time practicing it, but it's not that much. You spend a few hours practicing this, you're going to be able to look at a company, and in 60 seconds, you'll know how much risk is there. Yeah, and you'll know what the potential rewards are. So you put in a few hours. How valuable is that skill? How much could that help you in your life? And why do I teach this? There are lots of reasons. The first reason is I want you to know. I want you to be well-informed. A client that's well-informed is a good client. They understand. They get it. The clients who don't want to know anything are a pain in the butt. I'm telling you right now. And I know the reason I'm emphasizing that is because I know some of you are listening. <laughs> and there's, it's not that hard. 
you, know, you just need to work a few hours. And when you do that, you can relax. It, it's so important. The, uh, the market is 95% psychological, 95% emotional, actually. The psychological, the psychological part are the emotions. And if you can read the basics, the very basics, I'll even tell you what you need to know the most right now. You need to know how much business that company's in. What is their revenue over the past year? You need to know what kind of profit margins you can reasonably expect. So I gave away big two big secrets that we're going to cover at, at the seminar. Don't worry about it. That look out for the bull website's going to be back one of these days as soon as we get all the uh, paperwork and all the infrastructure set up on it. And I'm going to I'm going to bring this out because you know it's, it's like hitting a tennis ball. It's exactly like hitting a tennis ball. Uh, when I first started playing tennis when I was young, I, I lost a whole bunch of balls, kept hitting them out of the court, over the, the 12-foot fence, <laughs> and into the street. <laughs> the, uh, so that took some time just to learn how to keep it, it below that 12-foot fence. Because <laughs> you don't want to hit the tennis ball like you hit a baseball. It's just not, not the same. And, but the basics are, are relatively simple. You know, I started getting coaching on it, and I looked at it and go, you know what? That's too much like work. <laughs> I really don't think I want to know how to play tennis. I don't want to be an expert tennis player. And I made That's how I made the decision. That's how you should probably approach the stock market. You need to learn the basics, not that you want to do it, but that you ever, if you ever had to, if you're talking to an advisor, you'll be able to understand, I'm going to improve the relationship that you have with your existing advisors. If you have, if you're not looking for an advisor, I have no problem with that. But uh, I'd like to help you relax and have a better relationship with that guy or that woman. Anyway, I hear the music. I can't believe the show's already over. I've been listening to Bill Bullington. I'm here every Saturday morning from 11 to noon on 1420 The Answer. Have a good week, everybody. Good luck and good investing. You just caught another edition of the Bullington Capital Report. Broadcasting every Saturday at 11 a.m. on AM 1420, The Answer. If you have a question and you'd like to speak to Bill personally, you can call him at 330-664-0700. That's 330-664-0700. Or online at BullingtonCapital.com. That's BullingtonCapital.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Therefore, no current or prospective client should assume that the future performance of any specific investment, investment strategy, including the investments and or investment strategies recommended and or purchased by advisor or product made reference to directly or indirectly will be profitable. Different types of investment involve varying degrees of risk, and there can be no assurance that any specific investment will either be suitable or profitable for a client's investment portfolio. No client or prospective client should assume that any information presented serves as the receipt of or substitute for personalized investment advice from the advisor or any other investment professional. The preceding program has been paid for by Bullington Capital Management, LLC.